Hello and welcome back to Equity, a podcast about the business of startups, where we unpack the numbers and the nuance behind the headlines. My name is Alex, and this is our interview show where we sit down with a guest, think about their work, and unpack the rest. Today, however, not really a guest, more of a friend. We are once again speaking with Jeanette Thier, Senior Data Editor at Crunchbase News, my old corporate and writing home. Jeanette, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Alex. It's great to be here and lovely to see you in the new year. I know. New year, new us, even though we look just like we did last year. Although I can say where I live is finally catching up on a couple of years of not snowing. So I am freezing cold and very jealous of you out in California where I should be. Well, it even feels cold to me here. So... (laughs) Don't even tell me what temperature it is because I'll scream. All right. On the show today, if you've heard Janae on the pod before, you know what we're going to get up to. We're talking about the end of 2023 as a venture capital year, data points from around the world, a couple of key sectors, what's going on in the stages. And then as we wrap up, I have pulled some new hot piping crunch-based data for us to chew on to get an early look at what's going on in Q1 2024. So Janae, not that I think we relish the role of being the bearers of bad news. But Crunchbase wrote that 2023 was on pace to be the lowest year for venture funding since 2018, which was further back than I anticipated. So I'm, I'm kind of curious, as a starting point, did that result surprise you? And how do you feel about it in general? Yeah. On one level, it seems like we're going back far further than most of the people that I've been speaking to, that most people think that this year would be on par with pre-pandemic numbers. And as you said, it's gone back, we've dialed back even further to all the way back to sort of numbers above 2017 and below 2018. So that's a long way to go back. And just to sort of set the numbers, it's $285 billion in 2023 that was invested globally in venture. So that's down around 38%, so just under 40% year over year. And 2022 was north of 400 billion. And the reason that's higher in 2022 than 2023 is the first half was stronger. The venture markets hadn't really reset. Q1, in fact, was, I think, a record-breaking Q1. And then Q2, it started coming down. And then Q3 is really when you saw the venture markets catching up to the fact that this was a very, very different funding environment. So as I say, 2022 was north of 400 billion. And then the peak was 2021, north of 600 billion, 660 billion in that mark. So we are way down from that peak and going back to earlier years. But I also think it's interesting that 2023, whilst it's down, it does sort of mirror those pre-pandemic years. It's about 20% down from the pre-pandemic years. So it's not 50% down from pre-pandemic, definitely more than 50% from the peak, but you know, that's where we are. I mean, I'm always torn between how to think about things. If you measure up or down, if you measure down from the 2021 peak, you know, we're off more than 50%. It feels like a dramatic contraction. But if you think about it from zero up, it's still more than a quarter trillion dollars last year dispersed by venture capital firms into startups. So it's, it's kind of like pick your poison. But let's dial into these numbers a little bit more, make them a bit more granular for folks. You wrote that early stage funding last year was down more than 40%, late stage by 37%, and seed 
just over 30% down. So my thought about that is we all knew that late stage funding was struggling because the IPO window closed and valuations reset and a lot of unicorns got stuck. But the early stage numbers were honestly worse than I thought. Did they surprise you or were they in line with kind of the crunch based thought process? It definitely surprised me. You always think when the market's corrected, everyone said late stage was going away, that no one's going to invest in late stage because companies are not going to go public, but we're all going to invest at earlier stage or at seed as sort of the focus becomes earlier. And I think in the last downturn in 2008, what we saw is everyone focused at early stage. I think what's been different this time around is the focus has been at seed. So when I talk to investors, they're all saying they're pivoting towards seed funding. Seed is where the new companies are coming through. That seems to be the stage that most investors or most investors that I talk to are most excited about. And Series A, what I've heard from investors is that Series A has become a lot tougher, Yes, that the bar to reach a Series A has become a lot harder. And so we've really seen in 2023, the funding as I say, people have gone earlier than early stage. The funding has been very sparse. It'll be interesting to see in 2024 whether the seed funded companies are now growing into that Series A and Series A gets a bit of a lift in 2024. But definitely that early stage was massively hit in 2023 and everyone kind of veered away and went earlier. Yeah, I'm actually sympathetic to the decision to not just go early stage by firms that may have been investing later on, but all the way to seed, which is, you know, apart from pre-seed and angel, the absolute starting point for capital accretion of startups. Because if you want to start investing in a company that has a lot of potential and a lot of room for growth, you want to start with as close to a blank sheet of paper as you can versus a company that may have raised a seed, a seed one, a seed two, you know, over the last couple of years. And now it's kind of a a rougher looking cap table. So if you want to just reset the clock for your own fund, I mean, going back to seed just honestly makes a lot of sense to me. I'm sure you've heard this too, but like seed valuations are still relatively high. Yes. But I mean, at least you can get into a company at a sub $20 million pre- and there's not 85,000 investors and six seed runs on the cap table. So it's it's probably cleaner to boot. Yeah. I think what's interesting, you know, I'm doing some analysis right now, which is looking at seed in the US market. And I've been talking to a number of seed investors. And what they're saying is that when they're investing in this market, there's going to be higher conviction and there's a higher bar. So for them, prices haven't necessarily come down. But the quality of companies and the quality of revenue they're far more focused. And so in a way, the seed rounds haven't come down, but definitely the metrics around seed have improved. And so they think this class of seed companies is going to be a lot better. I think the other interesting finding is that seed in the US was actually up in 2022. So it's down this year by about 30%, but the peak market for seed was 2022, which shows you that relative to the other stages, Seed has come down, but not as much as we've seen because we saw late stage come down in 22 and 3. And we also saw that happen to early stage as well. So seed was up in 2022. It's only come down more recently. So it is, I think, the most robust funding stage in this market. It'll be, as I said, it'll be interesting to see how that progresses in 2024. Yeah, I'm really curious to know, like, how are those companies that raised a seed in 2022 that you just mentioned that had the kind of outsized year? 
They would be, right now, gearing up to raise their Series A, roughly, if you think about traditional adventure timings. So maybe what we're going to see here is kind of like the echo generation of the 2021 era for seed fundings, kind of see how they convert in this more stringent environment, if you will, to Series A fundings. I don't know the answer to that, but I do know that the old rule of thumb that growing at three figures and having a million dollars in ARR is pretty dated by this point. I'm not saying that I know where the new Series A thresholds are for this year, but I don't think all those companies are going to clear them. So maybe we could see even some some struggles at seed. Yeah. All right. That's the macro picture. We're going to drill into some stages in a minute. But the thing that I want to kind of stress is I was looking through the charts you guys put together and Q4 2023 was the worst quarter since at least the first of 2021 for deals and dollars around the world for venture capital funding. So Sometimes the quarters can be better or worse, but we didn't end the year on a high note. And I, I'm actually, I'm almost a little surprised by that. I feel like as last year ended, there was so much going on. I thought the numbers were going to be better just as we wrapped up last year. Yeah. Yeah. So the quarter was down. You know, it's been a bumpy year in quarters. One quarter will be up and the next quarter will be down and the next quarter up. And I think it's bumpy because of those very large rounds that went into AI and some of the other sectors. So it wasn't a sort of clean line, but we definitely ended the year on a lower note, I think yes. it's, you know, one of the slowest quarters we've seen for many years. And I, I don't know, I get the feeling that everyone was just a little tired. As I've said, investors are being much more cautious about where they're putting their dollars. But definitely what they're also experiencing from their LPs is that the LPs are overextended. They don't want capital calls to invest. And so I just think it kind of, it sort of symbolizes where we are in the year that even the fourth quarter was the lowest this whole year and the lowest for a number of years. And that's actually, when I was writing about the overall results from last year, that's what hit me the hardest. It wasn't that Q4 wasn't a gangbusters quarter or that it wasn't a return to form. The fact that we seem to like drop one more notch lower in terms of venture capital disbursement intensity as the year ended really felt like a sour note to end on. I'm tired of, of having this like this riff with you because if you go back to 2021, every quarter was the same. New records, new all-time highs, craziness, insanity. Oh my gosh. And now I feel like for the last eight, nine quarters, we've been saying the same thing, which is, ah, ah, make it stop. You know, I, these trends are, are longer and stickier than I would like them to be because I would love to bring some good news to the people out there building stuff. Yeah. Well, I think the excitement is at seed. There is a whole new host of companies coming through. I think what's been interesting to me in talking to people is that, you know, at the time when the huge dollars went in in 2021, everyone was talking about how tech is overtaking the world. And these numbers make sense that venture is just going to grow and grow and grow. And now it's at this kind of new level because of the impact it's having. Ah. And then, you know, you fast forward to today and you're talking to people and everyone is saying 2021, the values are out of whack almost at every stage. They're saying seed. Valuations in 2021 would not hold up in this market. The Series A valuations would not hold up in this market, and et cetera, et cetera. So every stage was over-invested and it doesn't hold up in this market. And so now the discussion is that was an outlier. We're not going back to that at all. And really, it's just a blimp in kind of this bigger or larger venture story. Yeah, which we'll get to in just a second. I very much want to talk about two sectors that are very dear to me, AI and Web3. But before we get into that, everybody, a very short break. I do want to talk about two particular sectors that I love and I'm very glad that you guys have been tracking as well. The number that did surprise me the most was that, according to your guys' accounting, AI startups raised about $50 billion last year. 
which was up from 45, 46 billion in 2022, but only by 9%. And I'm trying to figure out how to think about that because on one hand, any sort of growth in a venture market in contraction is a big result because you're going counter narrative, counter trend and doing quite well. On the other hand, $50 billion, when we know some of the mega rounds that went into that number, it gets a little smaller when you think about what was actually available for actually young tech startups. And so I'm curious, Janae, $50 billion, bullish, bearish, middle? I, I can't quite put a label on it myself. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, those foundation model companies, and we talk about three of them, OpenAI, Anthropic, and Inflection AI together raised $80 billion of that $50 billion. So as you <laughs> so say- So much money. Yeah, a bunch of money went to some leading companies in the sector. And so are we really up in AI? You know, investment has gone into AI over the past decade. So I think what's very different about this sector when you compare it to something like Web3 is the sector generative AI is new and what the LLM models can do is very new. And so there's a lot of excitement around that because of the productivity that could come out of these developments. And we know this is not the end. There are going to be new things which come out of AI. So I think there's a lot of excitement. But I think what it reflects as well is so much money has gone into AI. I don't think this is the highest in AI over time because the self-driving that sector and the sort of AI in yes. that sector in previous years, you know, a lot of money had gone in. And also, I think you don't just have new companies who are going to win in this space. Obviously, the foundation model companies are leading and they're newer and they're getting funded. But if you look at incumbents, if they're weaving this into this technology, they're going to benefit. And so it's not clear that the winners are just going to be the new companies. There are a lot of MLOps companies who are coming in to help you manage those models and manage data. So there's a whole bunch of investments that's gone into that layer. But I think what it reflects is AI is going to seep through the whole industry and it impacts everyone. And so it's not just about new investments into the sector. It's about existing investments that have been made over time, as well as all these companies who raise so much money adding AI into their suite. And so they benefit as well. I still think it is bullish. The fact that it's up and this year was down so much, for me, it still shows the bullishness. But again, it'll be interesting to see in 2024 because a lot of those foundation models have raised money at this point. There will be some big rounds to foundation models, I think, coming out of Europe and other markets. Sure, France. And um, it'll be interesting to see where AI sits in, in 2024. I have so many comments about what you just said, but I'll, I'll start with my concern about AI venture funding is almost in response to what you just said, which is that it's not just going to be tech startups that build new models, deploy them well, and build the tooling around them. It's going to also be these incumbents. Well, I'm tired of Microsoft and Apple and Amazon and Alphabet, and I would like some new power players. I think, honestly, we could use a couple more big companies to keep the other ones honest. And so that $50 billion number going into AI, to me, is the option. It's the bet on a new major coming into the mix. I just, I would be very sad if Microsoft's ability to kind of like get a big chunk of open AI ends up carving the AI market into Alphabet versus Microsoft. I mean, boring. Like, well, how did that work out for us in search, Janae? Not that well. You know, we ended up with Google, which is going to hell and Bing, which no one used. Congratulations. Hmm. So I'm hoping that some of these companies do really challenge the incumbents. But flip the script to an industry where there aren't any incumbents. Well, that's actually not quite true. But Web3, crypto, if you will, according to your data, investment fell 73% year over year in Web3 from $28 billion in 2022 to $7.6 billion in 2023, which as far as I can tell is pretty close to zero last year. That's not many dollars for a whole sector of the technology world. Thoughts? Yes. 
No, I agree. I'm not very close to the sector. We have, as I are journalists who cover it, but definitely that was it. And obviously, 2022 was also a huge dip for Web3. So it's, you know, trailing down. Obviously, Bitcoin is up. So that's interesting. But I think there are obviously investors who are focused here, but they've moved significantly away from the sector as an area to invest or as an area of, of opportunity. And I think those numbers reflected massively, down 73%. I want to frame this as the inverse of what you said about AI. You said that AI is going to end up in everything and make us all more productive, right? Which honestly, given the, the Microsoft Copilot news and coding work and honestly, okay, I can see that. Web3 is a way to do things more slowly, more expensively, and with new security risks. It's not exactly a productivity booster. It does have some cool ideas. It does have some cool themes and narratives. But I don't think you turn to Web3 to get more done. You turn to it to get stuff done in a different way you think is better. But I think that productivity point you made about AI is kind of like the shadow that is over Web3 and crypto because they don't have that same put in a dollar and get $3 of productivity out of it that every business can understand it and invest in. And so I, I guess from that perspective... Maybe we should be surprised that there was still 7.6 billion invested last year versus, oh no, it was only 7.6 billion. Maybe we need to be more negative than positive. I would agree. And that's why I'm not invited to parties. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. We'll talk about this year later on, Janae, but do you think the Web3 fundraising number goes up this year with the Bitcoin ETF going on, the FTX and Binance lawsuits kind of sorted out? Is that a new path ahead for crypto or another year in the woods? I think it's another year in the woods. My experience when I did talk to folks who invested in the space, I would keep asking them about what are the use cases for Web3, and everyone kind of sat with the store of value. And I think there is value in the store of value. I think there are some interesting models here, but I don't think when people were describing the use cases, I could see anything extremely tangible that I could kind of grasp onto. And so I think that's sort of where we are. So I don't think investment will be up in 2023, in 2024, sorry, my year is in the sector. Don't worry, I'm still writing 2021 on my checkbook that I got when I was 17. <laughs> okay, so, and if you don't like, by the way, our comments about Web3 and crypto, I think it's perfectly fair to say that we're being too pessimistic, but prove it to me. Build something that I can't wait to use. For example, Janae, I don't know if you saw this, but there's a new little hardware device called the, the Rabbit. And it's like, a, there's a company called Rabbit.tech and they have anything called the R1. It's like a little, it's, it's like an LLM inside of a box, essentially, that can do things for you. And they sold out their first production run of 10,000. And now they've sold out their fourth run of 10,000 because people really want it. Show me the crypto product that has similar kind of in-market potential, apart from gambling, you know? Yeah. Enough of getting emails for myself that I'll have to answer later. I want to compare and contrast the American and the European early stage market because there's something interesting going on here that I think we should talk about. One of your charts, and I'll have a link to this in the show notes, shows that for the North American market, early stage investment declined from Q4 of 22 every single quarter through Q4 of 23. In contrast, over in Europe, great stability in total amount invested in the early stage from Q4 of 22 through Q4 of 23. Trying to sort this out, trying to understand what this tells me, do you think that the European early stage market is holding up well because of the quality of company or just because it's smaller and therefore had less room to fall? But it just seems to be durable compared to the American numbers that we're seeing. Yeah, I think what's interesting in Europe is, you know, Europe has built up a very competitive venture ecosystem. Everyone overinvested in 2021. But I think, relatively speaking, the ecosystem less so. I think a lot of the late stage investment in Europe came from outside, came from the US, you know, these global multi-stage private equity firms came in and invested in the hottest and most interesting European startups. 
And so I think Europe is just, I think it's a very robust type ecosystem. They didn't overinvest as much. You know, there was overinvestment. And so that has kind of held together. So when I look at Europe, I think it's very well positioned. And, you know, when you talked about AI, I think there's some interesting AI companies coming out of Europe as well. And I I think they definitely do want to compete as a market for in the space, in the foundation model space, against some of the companies coming out of the US. And so I'm hoping this is going to be much more competitive than what we've seen around the last wave of the social media companies and the search companies. This space could be a lot more competitive because no one wants to rest their technology just on one company. They want a competitive landscape. And I think Europe is well-placed to play given the talent it has, the people who came out of DeepMind, et cetera. So I think Europe, you know, it's an interesting market. It's held up. And I think it's the one market when you compare to North America, Asia, Europe, it's the one market where it was still above pre-pandemic funding overall. Yes. European early stage investment is one of the brightest lights that I can see out there. And to be clear, the data isn't like, oh my God, we're matching 2021, but certainly in terms of durability and contrast to other sector stages and geographies, it's holding up well, which bodes quite well for Europe. Just because we're here right now, Janae, a lot of talk about Mistral over in France, a foundation model company, a lot of talk about how the EU is being early on AI regulation compared to many other regions or or countries. How bullish are you on the ability for a European state to come up with like a real continental leader in the realm of AI to give them a champion in this fight against basically China and the US when we think about other kind of AI superpowers? Yeah, I think there's a good shot. I hope the regulators don't get in the way of these companies building up, because I think if there is more competition in this market, I think it's going to be a lot better for everyone. And I think what's interesting is even in The European AI companies, you're seeing a lot of American venture investors move in and fund those companies. So I think there's a lot of interest from the US. I'm sure from strategics in the US in funding companies within the European market as well. I now think we should run an analysis of all the VCs with over 5 billion AUM who didn't invest in Anthropic or OpenAI and see what fraction of those are invested in Mistral. Because I bet you they were like, shit. (laughs) Yes. We're going to France. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, I, I, I like we joke a little bit, but I was on the Hugging Face leaderboards. I think it was Hugging Face the other day. And I think Mistral's models are showing up rather well in terms of testing. Mm-hmm. I'm butchering that. It wasn't a Hugging Face. It was a different AI leaderboard. The point is Mistral's making cool tech. That's all you need to know, everybody. Don't vet my statements too closely. I'm only now learning how to run my own LLMs locally. So I'm, I'm a noob. Now, one more data point on Europe, and then I'll talk about Asia, and then this year. So overall, European venture dollar volume past the early stage ended up at kind of a low ebb in Q4 23, similar to what we saw in North America, worst quarter of the year. Is there anything positive you can throw out there about later stage European investing that folks might want to know as we look backwards to 2023, or is it better left undissected? Yeah. I mean, I think what it reflects is the broader market trends, which is everyone stepped away from late stage. And so you're going to see that in the European market as well. There are pockets of interest or companies who kind of stand out. We do think, we haven't talked too much about the IPO markets, but there is some sentiment that it's not going to be a very strong year, but I think we definitely will see some interesting companies come out. So late stage hasn't gone away, but it's definitely massively down. And I think Europe reflects exactly the same trends. Yeah, that's what I saw in it. But I wanted to at least pose the question in case I was missing something critical. I think you guys had a a subhead in one of your pieces. I was like, as the U.S. goes, so goes the world. Uh-huh. And when you think about the venture capital market, 
That's true. If you look at the numbers, the total share of the global venture market that the U.S. controls is once again going back up, which is, I think, indication that there's been enough retreat around the world to rebalance things to where they, they were before. And one of those markets that really has contracted and I think given leadership back to the U.S. is Asia. Unlike most venture charts that had kind of a run up to a peak in 21 and then back down again, Asian venture capital, especially because of where China was at the time, had a peak in 2018 and then a bit of a trough, and then another peak in 21, and now we're back down again. So kind of a a double peak to a trough. Anything positive that you can say about what's going on over in Asia? I mean, the Chinese venture capital market seems to be a mess, but India is the most populous nation in the world and rather digital. Anything bubbling over there we should know about? You know, I think China's obviously the biggest market. India is the second biggest market in Asia. The thing that we've seen is a lot of money has gone into electric vehicles in China, into AI in China, into semiconductors. These are very big rounds into huge strategic industries. So yes, a downturn, but there's been some, you know, large investments into some very critical and key sectors in the Chinese market specifically. I'm not sure, you know, what to read of that and why the market is down as much as we're seeing, but a huge retraction, but still there's a lot of vibrancy in certain industries within those markets as well. And China specifically. It's almost a rebalancing. Yeah, because I feel like money has been kind of like drawn from other parts of like traditional Chinese investment, you know, e-commerce, social media, digital stuff has been now really refocused to physical chips and so forth. So we'll see how that all plays out. But I just missed the days when the Chinese venture capital market was like, you know, competing with the U.S. market for total scale. Mm -hmm. It was cool to see more competition because it meant more companies funded, you know, faster, probably pace of, of innovation and so forth. Yeah, it's it's disappointing to see my home country end up once again getting towards 50% of the total market. It just feels too, it feels like it's too much. It's too concentrated in like eight zip codes for me to be comfortable. But Jeanette, let's put a pin in all that and let's instead talk about this year. I ran some Crunchbase searches and I'm going to present to you the data. Roughly for the first half of January of this year, we've seen 745-ish equity transactions worth about $7.8 billion. There's 13 mega rounds in that, nine involving generative AI, and a total of 31 crypto rounds worth about 200 mil. Last year, (laughs) it was a lot more. Uh, for the same time frame, same search in Crunchbase, 2,600 transactions, 13 plus billion dollars, 25 to 30 mega rounds. I know venture data lags. You and I have talked about this for years and we've worked together and since then, but it seems like the gap between how we started last year and how we started this year is pretty large. Mm-hmm. So am I being too pessimistic by looking at the data already? Or is this not a great sign for how 2024 is starting for the global venture capital market? Yeah. So it's down for the first couple of weeks in January from year over year. Yeah, it's difficult to just isolate. You know, we are doing these monthly recaps where we try and look at venture month over month just because things are shifting and changing all the time. Good move. So I think it's valid to take a look and sort of understand what is happening, what are the shifts. What I hear from speaking to folks out there is that they don't expect 2024 to be much different from 2023. And what they mean by that, that this is going to continue to be a tough funding year for companies, that investors are not going to suddenly open the spigot gates. What we've seen in 2023, we will continue to see into 2024. So that's largely the perspective I'm getting. And what you're showing is it's even receded more. So that'll be interesting to see if we cut back even more in 2024. The one thing that folks have said to me that would shift things is if the IPO markets are a little bit more vibrant, there are some companies that go out and do well, that will create a bit more excitement 
on the funding side, and that will sort of buoy things up again. But certainly the perspectives from speaking to everyone is that they don't expect 2024, given what's going on in venture, given everyone overinvested in 2021, given that they're not quite seeing, even though values are up in 2023, where you look year to date. And so some tech stocks are in a better place than they were in. For sure. Yeah. Still, everyone feels that the kind of market conditions are somewhat similar. And so we're going to see a cautious 2024. Well, as an Eagles fan, if you watch American football, 2025 is going to be our year, I swear. So uh, (laughs) maybe that's going to also be true for the world of startup investment. As my producer just said, go birds. (laughs) We just threw away a really good start to a season with a terrible postseason performance. Not that I'm in tears or anything, Janae. I'm I'm sorry. I'm just crying to myself. No, it's fine. Yeah, let's. Let's push it out to 2025, I think, is what everyone's doing. The thing is, though, if we have to wait that long for a real return to public offerings, I mean, how can venture capital survive a three-year liquidity drought? I mean, that is so long to not have cash-on-cash returns, to not have capital recycling, to have founders locked up in the same... It just... I mean, there's a really salubrious effect to exits for the entire world of startups and venture. And I, I don't want to be a panicky boy, but like, Janae, at some point, you got to go out sometime. How many more quarters can we wait to get some of the, what, 1,500, 2,000 unicorns out the door? The Crunchbase unicorn tracker, to me, is a cool data source, but also a terrifying image. Like, think of all those companies that need to get out. And currently, the number of IPOs we have is one private filing from a crypto company. Like, it's not much. Yeah. And no one else is worried, apparently, but I'm freaking out. Yeah. You know, the unicorn board is now north of 1,500 companies. So it's been sort of sitting below that. Now we're north. They've raised over 900 billion, 900 and worth. Also, we've gone over the 5 trillion mark. It's always been sitting below just because there've been a few exits and fewer companies coming on. So the board is growing. There are a lot of companies sitting there. I do think everyone's talking about the M&A market will become more attractive in 2024 because prices have come down. And there are leading companies with dollars who will look at acquisitions given prices have come down. So I think we're not going to see the heights of 2021 in M&A, but we're going to see some activity. I do think there are some companies who are growing with strong revenue and enough revenue who might come out and test the markets this year just because it's slower and you have to go out at some point. So I think we will see some of that, but there has been no... So I think we'll see a bit more liquidity in 2024 but I don't think it's off to the races from speaking to analysts, you know, who handle the IPO markets, that they say a lot of people are reaching out, but more about 2025. Oh my gosh. I'm going to literally retire by the time we get the 2020 unicorns out the door. I know. Like, come on, people. Pull the trigger. Like, I, your numbers are still your numbers, whether you show them to us or not. So why don't you just show them our numbers? Show us your numbers. I, yeah. I don't understand it. Well, Janae, I really wanted to have a bit more positivity on this week's episode than... Well, European early stage is doing okay, but it does seem that when we look at the data and parse it, that there's not that much positivity to be found. So here's hoping that the start of 2024 is slower than the rest of the quarter, that when we have you on the show next time, we can crow and talk about how things have gotten better and how there's money for everybody and how everyone's making the Series A crunch look like no problem at all. Next time. Yes. Hopefully. (laughs) But Janae, I can't let you go without digging into our shared business. You and I are both Crunchbasers of one nature or another. You current, me former. How is Crunchbase doing? Yeah, we're good. We're busy. We have an offsite coming up. 
So lots of rejiggering around AI and looking at how, you know, we have a lot of data, but we think AI can do a lot to make that data more useful. And so a lot more to come from the Crunchbase side. Well, if you need a beta tester as a shareholder, I'm in, or I volunteer as tribute or whatever. So we would love that. I appreciate it. Yeah. And I love that you were crunching our numbers. You know, it's like falling off a bike. Still got it. (laughs) I do that. I love it when someone else does. So. All right. Well, uh, Janae, before I let you go, Janae, you're over at Crunchbase News. Where can people find you on the internet? Um, so on Twitter, at Janae Tier, and I'm on Crunchbase News. You can see all our stories there. And we're really closely tracking the venture ecosystem. So hopefully we give numbers that are useful for the industry. Oh, well, I mean, I steal them all the time. Big fan. So at least I'm your number one fan. Thanks, Alex. That is all the time we have for today. A big thanks to Janae, as always, for dropping by and helping us parse all the numbers. If you need even more equity in the meantime, we are Equity Pod over on X and Threads. And of course, we have two sister shows in the TechCrunch Podcast Network. There's Chain Reaction, all things crypto and found, telling you the founder stories you need to know next. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Equity is hosted by myself, Editor-in-Chief of TechCrunch Plus, Alex Wilhelm, and TechCrunch Senior Reporter, Mary Ann Azevedo. We are produced by Teresa Loconsolo with editing by Kel. Bryce Durbin is our illustrator, and a big thank you to the audience development team and Henry Picavet, who manages TechCrunch Audio Products. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. 